0: He's alive. He's conquered hell, death, and the grave. And he's given you the victory that you can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, that nothing, nothing, nothing by any means would harm you. That's a great promise from God. Isn't God good? Well, if you take a minute and just greet some of the folks around you, and you can be seated. Thank you for joining us online. Well, happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day. It's a, a great celebration. We are, have the freedoms that we have in our country because so many people paid so much. And uh, we, we should be grateful for them and continue to uh, thank God for them. Amen. Graduates. An amazing moment in time, but it's just part of the progress and process. To to all the graduates, to all their families, uh, congratulations! It's a it's a great thing. If you're a graduate, would you stand? If you graduated this year, you can be seated. You know, we need to, we need to be praying um, because there's a lot ahead for these folks. And God has great things in store for you guys. Uh, but just like it took a group, your family, your friends, those that love you guys, uh, to stand with you, pray for you, and encourage and support you, it's going to continue to take that. And so we should, we should always continue to pray for the families, for uh, our, our young people that are coming up, uh, and it seems like they're coming up quicker than ever before. It's an amazing thing to watch our, our young people grow up. But uh, it's, it's, it's part of life. It's progress. And it's an amazing thing. So congratulations to you guys. Um, you know, we, we take this time and uh, we celebrate our independence, our freedom. And um, the Bible has a lot to say about freedom, uh, We have a freedom because of our country, because of what people have done to uh, protect it and to provide for it. But there is a freedom that is longer lasting and more widespread. And that's the freedom that God's given us, that no one and nothing can take away. In Romans chapter 6, it says that faith in Christ has freed us from sin. That's the greatest freedom anyone will ever know and uh in in the book of john jesus said whom the son has set free is free indeed and the apostle paul wrote many things in in the new testament uh, about freedom and most of it was written when he was in prison and you'd say well how could somebody write about freedom when when they're incarcerated because the freedom that god has no surrounding can take it from you no surrounding can rob you of it he said you've been called to live in freedom But don't use your freedom to satisfy your selfish nature but instead use your freedom to serve one another in love you know that's that's the greatest thing we can do many times we use our freedom or our independence to do what we want to do and and that self-serving self-focused selfishness will always decrease our world but when we live in the love of god and walk in the freedom that he's given us our world continues to expand and grow and include more and more people. And God frees us. God, who is love, frees us uh, to connect and complete each other instead of uh, contending and competing with each other, which is what we see in our world today. We see so much competition, so many people contending with each other. And, and we've been learning about the importance of, of love, of unity, how important unity is to revival that, that God has for us to walk in in these days. And that unity comes from love love is what creates unity and maintains unity and and today we're going to continue in learning about the characteristics of love uh, that causes us to be able to be united Uh, second corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 says the love of christ compels us or controls us that love is the foundation of our life and it's the fountain of life and uh, today we're going to go back to a couple of familiar scriptures but we're going to Look at some characteristics that are necessary for us as we proclaim that we are Christ's followers to to live out. And uh, before we do, we're just going to pray. So if you'd bow your heads here and at home, thank you for joining us today. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, this isn't just a religious moment in time. It's truly a cry of our heart that you would speak to our lives our circumstances and situations uh, that you would reveal to us your truth your word that sets us free and keeps us free your word that is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet that that'll bring illumination and revelation that'll cause us to be able to experience the transformation the going from glory to glory that you have designed and desired lord thank you for your word that is life and health to those who find it. Father, we thank you today as your word goes forth. There'll be healing for those that need healing. There'll be strengthening and revitalizing for those that need that. Father, we look to you and listen for you because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And today, Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to stand and speak your word to your body, to your beloved, lord thank you thank you thank you for not leaving us alone but being present with us and providing for us everything we need to have life and life more abundant and to experience the victory no matter what we encounter and so we thank you father for all of this in jesus name and everyone said so we've been learning about uh, the importance of unity and how unity uh, requires Love. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, in the New Living Translation, it says this above all, and it's speaking about the preceding verses, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, we haven't talked about this for a while. We did when we began, but it, it, I just had felt very compelled by, by the Spirit of God to just address the fact that when we're talking about this love, this love isn't like so much of what we hear in our society, um, we love this, we love that, and, and yet this love is is not humanly possible without God. This is agape love. This is the God kind of love. It's a selfless, sacrificial, serving, and unconditional love. Um, this love is, is so different than what we... we see and experience and even what we say because many times we'll say we love this we love that but our love changes you know when we don't get what we want all of a sudden uh the 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 restaurant that we love to go to didn't serve us well and so we kind of draw back and we start to go another direction but God's love this love that we're talking about right here is agape it's unchanging Jeremiah 31:3 God says I have loved you with an everlasting love and drawn you with my loving kindness God's love never changes it never changes no matter what we do what we've done or what we will do God will continue to love us uh, in John chapter 13 verse 34 Jesus says these words and it's a truly challenging portion of scripture he said a new commandment i give you that you love one another this is agape you agape selflessly unconditionally sacrificially and servingly love one another as i have loved you that you also love each other now i'm going to ask questions this morning they're going to be pretty obvious questions but it's to make us think make us take a moment and not just continue to hear but really reflect in ourselves, what, what's going on in my life? How does this apply to my life? So when we read Jesus saying, I give you this commandment, so it's not a suggestion, right? If he's our Lord and our master, he's telling us something that he expects us to do. And is that because he just wants to control us and be the boss of us? <laughs> why, why does God tell us what he tells us in the scriptures? for our best interest because he has better for us than what we're currently experiencing because the life that God has for us is to go from glory to glory to glory. It's ever-increasing glory. It's not without opposition or obstacles, but as we follow Christ, as we align ourselves with Jesus and his words, the word of God that's truth, our lives will be fuller than ever before. And so he tells us this because he has the best in mind for us. And if we disregard this, we won't have what Jesus has for us, what God has for us, that abundant life. So he says, I command you uh, that you love one another, okay? But what's the reference point? What does he reference in how we're supposed to love one another? As he's loved us. Now, when I read that, I'm telling you that I want to just draw back. Because that seems like a pretty high standard. As a matter of fact, if I'm really absolutely transparent with you today, that's not doable for me without His help. You see, when God calls us to something, He's not expecting us to do this alone, He's expecting us to look to Him and allow Him. To partner with us and us to partner with him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. This agape love that is not inherently resident in human beings apart from God residing in us. Until Christ comes to be Lord of our life and the Spirit of God begins to dwell in us, this love is impossible for us. The love that we will love with as best as we can without God is still going to be selfish, it's going to be self-serving, and it's going to be conditional, which is in itself very fragile because conditions change how often? (laughs) See, I told you there are going to be obvious questions. Yeah, conditions change all the time, and yet... If the love that we're loving with is conditional, then our love is going to be changing. Our, our relationship, our interaction is going to be changing all the time. And, and that leads to instability. But God's love never changes. No matter what we do, what we've done, God will always love us the same way. And God is saying our love needs to be the way his love is. It's not based on what anybody else does to us. It's based on a choice we make towards them. And again, every time I say this, I am challenged to have to believe that this is possible because God says for us to do it. But the only way possible is for us to rely on him to do it in us and through us as we rely on him and trust in him. So this, this love uh, is his love and he's wanting t- us to receive his love and then begin to love Others, The Bible tells us what the greatest commandment is to love who first? Thank you. Thank you. I'm waiting for an answer. Be bold enough to speak up. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And, and then to love your... Neighbor as yourself. And so, as we love God, Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is his command. So, we need to begin to do what we do. Everything we do as a Christian, we have to do it by faith, believing before we see it. We have to believe it's possible before we see us able to do it because God said it's possible. And so uh, we're we're to love one another. But unfortunately, in the world that we live in, we talk a lot about love. We sing a lot about love. We think a lot about love. Love is everywhere, but it's not the God kind of love. The love that we are exposed to, that we grew up with before we came to Christ, is masquerading itself as love. But what it really is, this, this is just, Crazy, but it is polite selfishness. Think about it. It's still self-focused. And, and here's, let me just give you some examples. It's a conditional love. Uh, it's, it's self-serving and self-focused. The love of the world, apart from God, says, I love you because. And you can fill in the blank. But I I put some here, so I'll, I'll give you some examples. I love you because you're attractive. You're hot. I love you because you're rich. I love you because you meet my needs. I love you because you fulfill my desires. I love you because, and the list goes on. Something that somebody does that we choose to love them because they do it which makes it dependent on whether they keep doing it. If they don't meet my needs and I love them because they meet my needs, all of a sudden, what happens with that love? It starts to drop off. I start to look for somebody else to meet my needs. And when they don't meet my needs, I look for somebody else. But that's not the way God does it. God's love is unconditional, but our love, humanly speaking, is can only be conditional. I love you when, all right? I love you when you're fun and interesting. I love you when you're not too much trouble or too difficult. I love you when I feel like it. I love you when it's not too costly to me. Now, I know as I speak these out, there's a tension that starts to grow among us because whether it's growing in you, it's growing in me, because I realize I've said not necessarily in my voice, but in my mind, I've said these things at times. And I've realized there's an adjustment I need to make because I'm not walking in what God has for me to walk in, which means I am not going to experience what God has for me to experience, and I'm not going to be able to expose the people around me to what God has for them. And so there's an adjustment that needs to be made in my life. But God's love, God's love in us and through us is unchanging. It never changes no matter what anybody else does. It's expressed in consistent and, and relatable characteristics that people, people are wanting so much to experience love, real love, the God kind of love, and they're looking for it all over and not finding it. But in Colossians chapter three verse 12, We read about how this love is characterized and how it is expressed and experienced, the characteristics and actions of love. And it says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, that's not the end of the list, but that's as far as we're going to go today. Today we're going to look at gentleness. Now, when I say gentleness, and and another another word for that is meekness. When I say meekness, what comes to mind? What do you think about when somebody's meek? Okay. Um, A lot of times, when we think of meekness or gentleness, we think, you know, if I'm meek or I'm gentle, people are going to take advantage of me. Anybody here besides me think that way? Uh, They're going to get steamrolled but it is the exact opposite this word meekness or gentleness is defined as strength under control strength under control submitted strength and i was i was preparing for this message and i was asking god what are some examples how can i explain this what what what's a word picture or something we all can kind of relate to and I was thinking back to when our our son and daughter-in-law brought our granddaughter home and Tristan our grandson who was much older than Elon at that time wanted to hold Elon just like older children do they want to hold their siblings I want to hold them and I remember hearing over and over be gentle be gentle be gentle And the reason why he was told to be gentle is he had power, he had an ability, he had strength that if he used it wrong, it could injure her. But if he used it right, it could benefit her. Now, folks, we all have strengths. We all have abilities, but we don't always use them to the best end, the best best result. And so this gentleness, it, it... its power under control or submitted strength and another example is a river is there power in rivers right there's innate power they're moving there's force there's dynamics and yet if that river is not under control or it overflows its banks what's the result a flood what what's the result of a flood destruction and damage you see if if what we've been given, that strength, that power, that ability is not under some sort of guidance and control. It's going to do damage. But if, if we have a river that is under the right guidance, under the right control, it can be directed through turbines. And what's the result of that? Power. Power that benefits so many. When our lives, our abilities our capabilities, all the things that we have innately are now under the control of God, all of a sudden what happens is it begins to benefit others in a greater way. And when it benefits others, it benefits us. Because the Bible says, as you sow, you will what? Reap. It's more blessed to give than receive. And so when we operate in this gentleness, there is a blessing and a benefit to everyone unless they are opposed to the things of God. And even at that, God wants a blessing to come to them in the midst of whatever they're doing. Another one is a horse. When a horse becomes gentle from being wild, uncontrolled, it becomes beneficial to all. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. They won't be up on your your screens. but in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, "Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Jesus is coming back. And right now, in the times that we're living in, in the environment and the society we're living in, we as God's people need to be a light in the darkness, an example of gentleness to the people around us because we're not seeing a lot of gentleness. We're not seeing a lot of strength under control. We're seeing a lot of strength and power out of control, not under the control of God, just doing all sorts of things. And it's 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 very damaging. Look at the divisions in our, our society. And we're going to see that gentleness will help heal those divisions. Gentleness will promote unity. And unity is, is what will bring revival. So in Ephesians chapter four verse two, it says, "With all humility and gentleness, bearing with one another in love, the strength under control. we know that when somebody does something wrong to us, we can react, and it's usually not a good result. But when we're gentle, when we choose to be gentle, whatever strength, whatever ability, have it under control. It, it's going to fulfill and produce what God intends. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, it says, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Throughout the word of God, it speaks about gentleness. God himself is gentle. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. When we are slandered, now, I just want to stop there. When somebody slanders you, what would be your first tendency? Yeah, go back at them. When, when somebody slanders us or speaks badly of us, we, we want to first try and stop it. Then we want to go to that person and we want to give them a piece of our mind. We want them to, to answer for what they've done. And usually we're not going to go in a loving frame of mind and in a loving spirit we're gonna go with some anger and animosity is that accurate or am i the only one that deals with this stuff okay and and so it says when they when we are slandered and christians are being slandered do you know what the worst part of it is they're being slandered by other christians That should never happen. We should never speak badly of another Christian. My grandmother and my mother told me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. And that's really good guidance. Because, you know, you don't want to sow that kind of seed out there. Hello? So it says, when we're slandered, not if, when. When we're slandered, this is what we do. We speak gently in return. Of course, right? Of course we do that. It's just what we always do. It's just what we naturally come by. Is that right? No, absolutely not. Thanks, Kalani. (laughs) We we don't want to do that, but this is what God's calling us to do because what God tells us to do is always going to be okay. Right? Right? Oh, it will be good. What, Bob? The best. What God tells us to do will always be the best. Now, it won't always feel the best. It won't always look the best. But it will always turn out best because God will work everything out for good or the best. And so it says we speak gently in return. But that's not a natural response. So what has to happen is there's an interruption in what we have always done or normally do or are comfortable doing or are convenient doing, and we have to pause that, and we have to realign ourselves. The Bible says you're in this world, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And yet I find myself struggling not to be like everybody else who doesn't know Christ, to do the same things they do the same way they do it. But we have a new and living way the Bible says we're supposed to be walking in. And this is part of it, that we speak gently in return when somebody slanders us. And it doesn't say if it doesn't hurt, because it hurts. But we're not supposed to be directed and guided and governed by the hurt. It's supposed to be that we're governed and guided and directed by God, whose love. And the reason why it says this, and we know this, is in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but an unkind answer will cause what? We've experienced that, isn't that true? Or at least the last part, if, if we answer unkindly, If we give back what we got, what do you think is going to come back the next time? Same stuff? Not unless somebody stops the craziness. And we can't look at somebody to be the one that makes that change, makes the decision to walk in love. We don't know whether they're a Christian or not. There are a lot of people that call themselves Christians, but they're not Christ followers there's going to be a day that all of us are going to stand before the lord and the bible tells us there are going to to be some that say lord lord didn't we do these great things didn't we prophesy in your name didn't we do these miracles and he's going to say depart from me you workers of iniquity i never knew you i don't want to be that way i've got to choose to walk with god and walk in what god has now is god looking for me to do it perfectly God's too smart for that. He knows we're not going to do it perfectly, but he knows that we can continue to do better and better. We're going to gain on this. This is part of the going from glory to glory. But a gentle answer will calm a person's anger, and an unkind answer will cause more anger. And, and I read that, and I think, you know, I've, I've been gentle a couple of times. <laughs> and I didn't see him getting calmer. Listen, what's going to happen is that God's going to use that. You give God instruments to use in other people's lives. When, When you and I are gentle, when somebody slanders us or somebody comes at us or says something against us or does something and we're gentle, it may not in that moment stop them in their tracks, but I'm telling you right now, when they're alone god will use that to begin to prick their hearts and so we we need to be proactive not reactive as christians we're proactive because we're following only one we're not following ourselves we're following christ and if we're following christ we're in line we're on course and we don't want to be taken off course from that because if we're taken off if we just answer in an unkind way we build that war of escalation. But if we have a gentle answer, it begins to de-escalate. Have you ever noticed you can't fight with somebody who won't fight? And it's not to say you don't have to be strong. You are strong, but you don't have to fight back. The victory has been won the victory has already been won you don't have to to prove it you just have to live in it and know that that god is is there to show his victory in your life proverbs chapter 25 verse 15. patience and gentle talk can convince a ruler or or, and overcome any problem patience and gentle talk now This is from the Bible. It happens to be in in a uh, certain translation, but it's still whose word? God's word. And if God has said it, is it true? But we have to choose to believe it. And many times we struggle with that because when I read this, I think, you know, I've been gentle, I've been patient, but I've not seen the problems disappear. So I'm either going to walk by sight and what I've experienced or I'm going to walk by faith. And the Bible says we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. And so we have every right to be able to believe this, even though we haven't seen it and expect it in every situation that we walk in patience and gentleness with. That... Whatever problem it is, God's working on it. And how many of you know God can do a much better job on our problems than we can? But realizing this, that if if we've got a problem, if somebody's been aggressive towards us or angry at us or whatever, we're going to have to do what Jesus said if we're his disciples. Jesus said, if you're my, my disciple, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him, right? And so if that's the case, that's the process in every one of these situations. If somebody is aggressive or angry or slanders us, first thing we have to do is deny ourselves. Well, what's that mean? That means that very thing that rises up in us, that wants to react we don't allow it to. Pick up our cross. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, was it, woo-hoo? What do we know about Jesus' struggle before he went to the cross in the garden? What were his words? Anybody remember? Father, if this cup can pass away, let it pass away, but not my will be done, your will be done. Right? And so Jesus struggled with that. He had to deny himself, not my will, but your will. This was the the challenge that he had, the challenge that you and I have. We may not go to a cross like that, but we've got to go to the cross every day. We've got to put God's will ahead of our will, where when somebody slanders us, when somebody's angry with us, when somebody's not, not fair with us, and We don't react in kind. We become gentle. We choose to love. Because when we choose to love, when we choose to become gentle, that love covers a multitude of sin. All of a sudden, God is able to begin to work in something that he wasn't a part of before. Because people make their choices and they make them without God. I I had made all sorts of choices, and and one of the the characteristics in my life that seemed to be a part of me that I I struggled with so much, and, and at times I still struggle with, was anger. My life was full of anger, and I just channeled it in ways that I wouldn't Pay too heavy a price for. I channeled it on the athletic field and used my anger to vent on opposing players and things like that. And that wasn't good, but I got rewarded for it. But when my anger was not in that arena and my anger would display itself in relationships, it did damage. And I never had to be more accountable than when I got married. And Debbie, Debbie, unfortunately, was the one that was closest to me, around me more than anybody else, and the anger would injure her. Now, before she was in my life, my anger was violent. I would punch holes in walls, and people knew it. And I was not proud of it, but I didn't know how to deal with it. And I found that the Bible says, be angry as sin not. And I thought, how do I do that? But that's where in all of this, I had to deny myself, pick up my cross, and then follow what God says. And I kept telling God, this is just the way you made me. And unfortunately, I was deceived. It wasn't the way he made me. He made me as he made you, as he made all of us, with emotions. But never should our emotions dictate how we live. And this emotion of anger, I would say, you made me so angry, they made me so angry, and again, not true. There was a deception. Where there's a deception, there's loss. Because no one makes us angry. People do what they do. And then we choose to react how we react. And I kept telling God, I can't react any different. This is just the way you made me. Can you imagine me telling God this is the way he made me? How deceived was I? And he began to show me in my life that anger was something that would escalate. There would be frustrations. There would be other things. And it would continue to go until it finally blew. And I said, see, I I can't do anything about this. But he revealed to me that there was a choice every step of the way, whether I took an off-ramp or not. It's kind of like a highway. You get going down that highway, and I would go down the highway of anger. And I could take off-ramps, but I chose not to. And eventually, you get to the end of the highway, and if you don't stop, there's going to be a crash. And there were crashes all the time in my life because of anger until I recognized I had to deny myself. I needed to go to the cross, let God's will be done in my life. Begin to walk in love, begin to walk in mercy and compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and see what God could do in the midst of what I was used to doing just on my own. But with God, it was possible. And yet, even today, there are times that I struggle with this anger. It's not gone because my flesh isn't gone. But I have a better understanding of how to turn to God and trust in God and allow him to have his way just the way we have to. I say we have to. We should in this life. We have choice. But what choices are we making? And are we being honest about the choices we're making? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 in the Living Bible... It says this, be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. Have you noticed anybody that's a little mixed up or confused concerning the truth? I I see it all the time. I I cannot tell you, Pastor Gabe and I have had conversations and the people that we've spoken with that are so mixed up about truth. I'm I'm not talking about what you hear on TV. I'm talking about truth. Talking about the truth of God's word that never changes. That's the only place you can find absolute truth. And, and the society we live in today is going to tell you there is no absolute truth. And that in itself is a lie. It's a deception. Where there's deception, there's loss. But, but this is the case that, that when you're trying to uh, teach people that are mixed up, you become frustrated, don't you? When you know that this is right. I mean, I remember talking to our sons, okay? Uh, parents, you understand this. Our sons, we were trying to keep them from injury and pain and and, and loss. And we would say, don't do this. And, and most parents do talk to the kids that way. And I have to tell you, one of the... It's, it's, I hate to admit it, but these days I have a sense of appreciation because I watch our son speak to his kids doing the same thing that we did and realize, you know what, he's trying his best, I was trying my best. His kids aren't listening sometimes, my kids weren't listening sometimes, or Debbie's and my kids. Uh, But but that's where, in trying to talk to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, they're mixed up about truth. Don't we, when we get frustrated, try to make a greater impression, try to almost force on somebody else? change the volume of our speaking. We change the intensity of our speaking. And and all of that is what we naturally want to do, and yet the Bible says we're supposed to be gentle. So we've got a choice. How are we going to do this? Are we going to do it God's way? Or are we going to do it whatever other way we think is going to work better? Because if we think about that, All we have to do is look back to Abraham and Sarah. They thought they had a better way than God. All the people that experienced great loss in their life thought there was a better way than God's way. And yet they were deceived and they experienced loss. But it says, humble, be humble when you are trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. For if you talk meekly, and that is gently, and courteously to them... They are more likely, with God's help, to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is what. And what does truth do? It sets people free and it keeps people free. So when we do what is counterintuitive to us, not natural, but it's supernatural, it's God supernaturally working in us because we're choosing to go God's way. We have a choice in this, but God, in the midst of our weakness our inability our frailty if we're turned to him and humbly trust in him then he'll be able to do in us what we couldn't do in us which is a great thing god's at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure but he doesn't force it on us he partners with us and where we won't partner with him he won't have his way but where we will he can have his way and so this is this is so different from what we see, what we're exposed to every day, but it is exactly what God knows that our world needs. And it is a choice by us who call ourselves Christians, his followers, whether we're going to follow him and do it his way. I have one more one more scripture. It's not going to be up on the screens, but I, I just want you to listen to it. I, I wrote this down. This was a last-minute entry. I couldn't get away from it, and I really have to tell you that over the last couple of months, the messages that, that I believe God's had for me to share have been some of the most difficult ones I've ever shared in my life, and, um, and I want to do what God wants. because I know what he wants is best. But this scripture I'm about to share with you, this is not my word. This is God's word. It's in the New Living Translation. And this is what it says in Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. They may not, must not slander anyone, must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish, disobedient, we were misled and deceived and became slaves of many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when god our savior revealed his kindness and love he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through holy spirit this is god's word as a follower of christ i have the privilege and the honor and the opportunity to do what he says over what I feel or what I wanna do. And when it says believers submit to the government and its officers, they should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. We've learned, we've had two different teachings in this church quite a while ago. One was honor's reward and the other one was undercover. And it's about authority and how all authority that's been placed in authority is there by God. Nothing has happened without God's willingness. And we may not understand it and we may not like it, but we need to realize we want God's way more than we want any other way. And I know that there are some people that have real, real problems with whatever authority there is. But in the teachings that we've had and in the scriptures in the word, uh, we find that if it's not illegal, if it's not immoral, if it's not unethical and it's not unscriptural, then if God put that authority there, then we need to submit. If we have a problem doing that, then we need to go to God and his word and have him guide us. But just because we don't like certain things, it's not up to us to just say, well, I'm not going to do it because that is that's the spirit of the age we live in. I've shared with you over the course of time in the book of Judges, the Bible says everybody, because there was no authority, no king, everybody did what was right in their own sight, and it was chaotic. It was destructive. And we're moving in these times where many people, the only authority that they will recognize is themselves. And when we do that, or a select few, we do that, we are are destined for chaos. Again, I'm not telling you, you have to blindly submit to authority. I'm telling you that authority is placed by God. And when it's operating the way God has, that authority will never direct you to do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or unscriptural. And the moment it does, you come out from that authority and you stand to the authority of God and his word. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. it's important that we we take time to pause and not just walk out from when we hear god's word there are things god wants to reveal to each one of us so that we can we can continue to be transformed but to continue to go from glory to glory there is a need for us to recognize what needs to be realigned where we've gone off track from god or we've done what we've done that may seem right the bible says there's a way that seems right unto man whose ends are death the only way we know what's really right is to know what Scripture says, to follow the guidance of God's Word. And sometimes we we have a sense that we're being guided by God, but we can't find it in the Word. If we're guided by the Spirit of God, He will never, never disregard the Word whatever Holy Spirit directs us to do will be in alignment with God's word. And that's why it's so important to hear God's word and then allow God by his spirit and through his word to search us and show us. Through all these messages, I have spent time before God repenting, recognizing that there is a misalignment in my life. And turning back to God, receiving his forgiveness and his cleansing and reinstatement to be able to walk in a way that he has desired and designed for for me to walk in, for us to walk in, so that we are in this world, but not of this world. There's a world that is spiraling out of control. That is proclaiming they know what's right and they know what's proper and they know what's true. And yet it's in opposition to God's truth. And we have to make decisions these days that are not easy because it seems like the crowd is going a certain way. And if you don't go that way, there's a price to pay. But it's worth it to stay on track with God. This life, the Bible says, is like a vapor. But the life we will transition to at the end of this part of life is eternal. We'll stand before our Lord. And we all as his children want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. We can only be faithful when we're found fulfilling his will and his word. God wants to work in all of our lives, but God will only work in the areas that we allow him to work. He will never force himself on us. And so right now, whether you're here in the sanctuary, whether you're at home, This all begins with us turning to Christ, recognizing his sacrifice that was made on the cross to pay the price for our sin, repenting, turning around from running our own life and turning our life over to Christ and receiving that forgiveness and that abundant life. If you've never done that, God just doesn't do it for you, he does it with you. And he does it in us when we invite him to. And so I'm going to pray a prayer this morning, and I'm going to invite anyone who has never trusted in Christ, repented of their sin and received him as Lord to pray with me. And as you do, I believe what the Bible says Will happen You'll become this new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and all things become new. It's a new and living way. We learn how to walk in, we grow in, we develop in. But we're all going to pray this prayer together, and I invite you to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus, who came into this world lived a sinless life, willingly went to the cross and died for my sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I recognize you as King of kings and Lord of lords. I ask you to come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I repent. I turn to you and trust in you From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Guide me, govern me, and guard me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. (laughs) If you prayed that prayer here, let somebody know before you leave. Because that's something we celebrate. They're celebrating in heaven. If you prayed online... You know, go to our website, Uh, go down to, uh, the website is reslifeny.org, go down to where the prayer requests are, let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, uh, just give us your name. If you want us to contact you, give us some contact information. Now before you go today, again, I just ask you for just a few minutes more to just bow your heads. The world that we live in is changing so rapidly. And it's not for good. And it's easy to be caught up in the flow of the world. And we have to really fight the good fight of faith like the Bible says. Keeping our focus on the word of God. Keeping ourselves submitted to God, his word, and his spirit keeping ourselves connected in love for God above all else that we love him, with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And as Jesus said, as we love him, we keep his commands. We keep him in the forefront of our lives. There are a lot of things we have to do, but these are the most important things. And to live this love, this love that God so loved us that he gave his son, that we receive that love, it floods our hearts and we begin to show that love. Love to our family, our spouses, our children. Not not talk it. It's a a compassion, a mercy that we show to them when it doesn't come easily and we choose to deny ourselves and allow God's will to be done in our lives, and we continue to follow that will of God, compassionately loving our our spouses and our children and our family and our friends and even strangers. And we're kind, kind to people that are unkind. We're humble enough to recognize that we're not better than another. We are what we are by the grace of God and without the grace of God, we would not be where we are. We can't look down on anyone, but we look up to Christ all the time to help us. In our humility, he gives grace to us as we humble ourselves. And then we're gentle and patient. We don't return evil for evil. We are good to those that are not good to us because God has been good to us when we were his enemies. Father, I pray for every one of us in this world at this time. It is such an intense battle. But Father, help us keep our focus and faith in you. Help us not to rely on the arm of the flesh but help us to trust in you with our whole heart. Father, we thank you for your spirit that dwells in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead there is power that's available in our lives as we turn to and trust in and invite Holy Spirit to impart to us his guidance and his governing that, Father, the fruit of the Spirit would be evident in our life, that love would truly come alive and be expressed and experienced by the characteristics of this love. the Father, we wouldn't just talk a talk, but we would walk a walk in a way that would show that we are truly, Lord, your disciples by our love one for another. And it would cause us to be anomalies in our society, not in a way that would repel people, but would compel people to be drawn to you. As you, Lord, are lifted up in our lives, all people would be drawn unto you. And we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun in us, that you're faithful to complete because you're at work in us, to will and to do your good pleasure. We bless you and we praise you for this. In Jesus name, amen. Would you stand? I just want to pray over you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for connecting online. Father, I thank you for all of your children here. Those that are listening and watching online. Father, I thank you that as we go from here, you go ahead of us and prepare the way. But you also take every step with us help us to be reminded this week when we encounter situations that seem unfair when we encounter situations that would evoke things that are not of you that we would turn to you denying ourselves and trusting you having your will done in our lives and father we would decrease, that you would increase. Not that we wouldn't have a life. Our life would be fuller than ever before because you would be living big in us and impacting all those around us. Father, thank you that no matter where we go, what we do, you're right there. And that greater is he that's in your children than he that's in the world, that you are making your children a living example of you who are love, and overcoming in all things through Christ who strengthens them and loves them and gave himself for them. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. have a great week.